love of money. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honour and might for ever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith. Grace, grace be with you. Thank you. I didn't want to put you through the house on. <laughs> Thanks, John. I, we get you to watch Mamma Mia, mate. I thought I'd maybe done the clip part out of Mamma Mia, but I thought the song would do the job. Uh, it's an interesting song, isn't it? Money, money, money. All the things I could do if I had a little money. Uh, it's a rich man's world. Uh, interesting comment, isn't it? Uh, I wonder if you do believe that it is a rich man's world. I think that being part of the world that we live in, that I think all of us at some point in time have been conned to think that it actually is a rich man's world. If I have money, then I'll do well in this world. That actually the goal in this world, that success in this world, is so often gauged by how much money we have and not by our character and who we are. 
Just look at our television programs and see it. You can pick it up everywhere. We have TV shows called The Homes of the Rich and Famous. Or just recently we had uh, The 20 Richest People Under the Age of 25. Or you see Forbes' top 100 list of richest people. When the list of who's who's comes out, it's all about how much money they've got, how much wealth they have. When was the last time you saw a TV show that said the 20 most generous people in the world? Or the list of the top 100 people who gave away the highest percentage of their wage this year? You know, I think as followers of Jesus that we too can fall quite easily into the same trap. I think we too have fallen into the promise that it is a rich man's world. We think that we need to get as much of that pie as we can and then we've got it all. And subtly and sometimes not so subtly, making money, getting rich has been elbowed into the centre of our lives as the most important thing in our lives. That actually having stuff, building up a business, making enough money to retire on, having a secure financial future, providing for my family, leaving a financial legacy has actually taken over the majority of our thinking, even as followers of Jesus. So today's passage that we've just read, I think, is a great corrective for us. And it's a huge challenge. You see, this is probably one of the most comprehensive parts in the Bible that talks about money in general. Uh, We see lots in the Bible about giving away money and being generous. And we see little snippets about what it should be like. But here, we have a whole section that tells us about how we should think about money and what we should do with it. And the amazing thing is that when we look at it, it's great, isn't it? Because sometimes we think that God's not a very practical God. We think he's all just about the eternal, all about eternal life. But actually God is very concerned about what you do in your everyday life. And he's very concerned about what you do with your money. He's very concerned about and more concerned about what is the centre of your life. What is at the centre? What is the core of who you are? And so he gets here and in this whole section about money, he challenges us on what is the centre of your life. So I want to ask you this morning to take time and contemplate these things seriously and ask ourselves the hard question, how am I doing in this area? How am I going in this area of my life? As a follower of Jesus, how am I going with my attitude to money. And I think as we go through this passage this morning, how about we have a really honest appraisal? Uh, Sometimes I think we can skirt around it and we can skirt and we can justify and we can move things, but how about we let God's word speak to us and have a really honest appraisal about what and who is at the centre of our lives? Because I think that's what Paul's telling Timothy here in 1 Timothy 6. So as we come to look at the word together... Let's ask God to help us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to look at your word, as we come to think through what is the centre of our lives, as we come to think about whether money and riches has elbowed its way in, we ask, Lord, this morning that we won't be people who are just hearers of your word, but we'll be people who will apply it and be changed and be transformed by your word. We ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, it's a great passage and I'm going to try and unpack it for you. There's lots in there, so work with me and uh, spend some time thinking about it together. We'll try and get through it. Maybe at the end, if you've got a chance, we'll give you a couple of uh, moments to ask some questions if you like. Well, the first thing that Paul does here when he's talking to Timothy, uh, and he's talking to Timothy who's in a church at Ephesus. This church has got some people coming in and trying to deceive them and, and turn them aside. And it probably seems that maybe someone's coming in and actually trying to turn them aside and make money out of them as well. And so if you have a look at verses 3 to 5 there, we see that the first thing that Paul says to Timothy regarding money is be really careful of people who are using the gospel using godliness, using a Christian veneer to gain riches. Remember he says there, If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. It's pretty tough, isn't it? Uh, Paul is saying to Timothy, there are people out there who are going to try and lead you away from Jesus. They're going to try and take your focus onto other things, uh, into areas over here, into special blessings there, or something extra over here, or you need this there. And not only are they going to do that, but they're also going to be doing it because they want to get financial gain. They want to make money out of you. Well, you might say, well, that doesn't happen in this world. Well, no, it happens a lot. In this world, uh, you turn on the television after 12 o'clock most nights, and especially Sunday mornings between 12 and 6, more than likely you'll find someone out there who's asking you to give them money while they tell you about how you can get rich. You can get rich, but you give us money first, and then blessing's going to flow back to you. It's not on, says Paul to Timothy. People who are trying to pre- preach to you and tell you that if you're a Christian, if you're going to be godly, and if you're going to do this, you're going to become rich and give me some of that money, not on. Don't listen to them. So turn off your televisions between 12 and 6 in the mornings on Sundays. Maybe. You've got to be careful, don't you, is what Paul is saying here to Timothy. He's saying you need to be really careful what you listen to and who you listen to. And if they look like they're trying to get money out of you and then they look like their lifestyle is changing because of that, you need to question it. In other words, don't listen to them. They're on about false controversies. They're on other things. They're taking you away from Jesus. I don't think Jesus went to the cross with a lot of money in his pocket. I don't think Paul died in prison with a lot of money in his pocket. It's not about prosperity, guys. It's not about gaining financial gain. Paul says it's about godliness and contentment, which we're going to get onto a little bit later. So we need to be careful, don't we, about that. And the Christian world at the moment has a huge amount of things in it that look like it's about financial gain. You pick up a Kuron magazine and see how much stuff you can buy that's got something about Jesus or some cross on it or something that's you know illuminating thing you can stick in your bedroom to make you think about Jesus. Or There's millions of stuff out there. Do you know that the second biggest music uh, organisation, music money-making thing in America is? It's Christian music. It's, uh, the first one is country and western. You wouldn't believe that, would you? But there it is. It's there. It's country and western. Then it's Christian music. And then it's the rock and roll stuff that we think is the big thing. There is a huge amount of money in Christian stuff these days. Now, I'm not saying that's all wrong. 
But we've got to be very careful, don't we, that it doesn't seem or it isn't the fact that the people who are doing this are just doing it for financial gain. But they're actually pointing us back to what does he say right at the beginning in verse 3? If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to sound doctrine, instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ. If they are not pointing us to Jesus and they are not using their money as Paul's about to tell about, then they are not people that we should be listening to or supporting. We need to be really careful, guys, because there's lots of people out there who are going to try and take your money and tell you that this is going to make you rich. And even Christian schemes, they're going to try and do that to you. Be careful, is what Paul says, because the road that we live on as Christians, the road that we travel on, has got lots of things in there, lots of things are going to take us and draw us away. And he says that you need to be really careful about money because there's some potholes out there that can take you into it and even some potholes that might even lead to destruction. So we're going to look at three potholes that Paul tells us about here in regards to riches and regards to money. And they come from verses 16 through to 21. And the first pothole that we need to be careful of is in verse 9. It says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. It's a dangerous road. It's a very tempting road, isn't it? Because Paul knows and God knows that it's very tempting for money to sometimes just slip in and become more important than Jesus. That's what he's really worried about. It's dangerous to us physically and it's dangerous to us physically. He says that it will fall into, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. So often in the world we think that money gets rid of problems and now sometimes it does. But too much money brings more problems. If you pick up a magazine in the doctor's surgery one day, your new idea or your woman's day or one of those ones, and you look about the first 10, 15 pages, it's all about the terrible breakdowns and lives and things that are going on with the rich and famous. Just about every part of it. Their lives are just disintegrating around them and then we sit there and say, I want that. It's sad, isn't it? Very, very sad. We think that money makes a difference but in the end it actually destroys and corrupts and finds its way in and causes destruction in relationships and can ultimately, Paul says, cause a destruction in your relationship with God himself look at what he says there for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil now it's not saying that it's the only one that causes evil there's lots of stuff out there but for the love of money when money becomes number one then it causes all the root of evil and then look what he says there and see there goes is the root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs you see, Paul tells us, firstly, that uh, the love of money and, and trying to get more and more of it and wanting to be rich can cause huge problems in our life in general. But ultimately, what he is most concerned about, and most concerned about through the whole book of 1 Timothy, is that people don't fall away from Jesus, that people don't wander away from him, that people don't get dragged away from him, that people don't get sucked into other areas. If you look at there, and if you go back around to verse 21 too, which some have professed so doing, have wandered from the faith. He is so concerned that you people here 
don't wander from the faith. And he says money and gaining of riches is one of the things that is very dangerous and can drag you away so easily. You see, money doesn't bring joy, peace and contentment. It might bring exhilaration. It might bring power. It might bring that adrenaline rush. It might make you feel like you've got something extra. But the really big danger is that it comes in and it takes over your number one position in your life. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. God's concerned for you guys. God's concerned for the people here in Ephesus. God's concerned for you that you don't take off in the wrong direction. That we don't put our whole focus on gaining riches. And I reckon everyone sitting here this morning who lives in Australia in a Western world needs to take stock of this. Every one of us, because we, in comparison to the rest of the world, are so rich. So rich. Where do we rank all the Not 100% sure, John, but if you have two meals a day and a roof over your head, you're in the top 10% richest people in the world. So if you're eating twice a day and you're going home and sleeping underneath a roof, you're rich. So... It's, we've got to be careful, don't we? Because it can really just quickly eat into us and can compromise us. And it can do it in subtle ways. Oh, look, if I just work a little bit more, then it won't matter if I do a couple of Sundays. I won't get to church, but that's okay. That'll be fine. Oh, now, growth group. Well, growth group's good, but too tired after working. I can't get there because I've got to, I've got to get to work the next morning. Oh, look... I, I can't spend time on the Word this week because I've got to be at work by 6.30 and I've got to be there and I've got to get that done. I've got to get this completed. Uh, and, and I'm too tired at night, therefore, I'm, look, I'm just going to have to get... I can't do my Bible reading. I can't spend time in prayer this week. It's just too busy. That's all of us, isn't it? Every one of us can put our hands up and say, that is us at some point in time. What's become the priority in our lives? What's the thing that's most directing us? What's the thing that's taking up most of our time? What's the thing that's taking up most of our thinking? It's to do with getting a wage, getting rich, running a business. It's doing things like that. And Paul says to Timothy, be very careful. Don't go down that path. You've got potholes galore in front of you and the worst pothole is that it'll drag you away from your faith and you won't have Jesus at the centre of your life and your eternity is at stake. Don't go there, he says. Do you know they say, statistically, if you don't turn up to church for three weeks, then you're not likely to turn up very often at all for a long time. And it takes three weeks to break a habit. It takes six weeks to form one. It's tricky, isn't it? We need to be careful. God's warning to us this morning through this passage is don't let money, gaining riches, slip in and knock Jesus out of the centre of our lives. Make every effort to not let that happen. Now, some of you will be looking there and I know that some of you are running businesses and some of you are working hard and some of you are doing what, you know, you've got to do that and the Bible says that we need to work hard but the Bible says don't make it your priority. 
don't let it take over. Oh, Paul doesn't have the same pressures as I do. He, he, he can say that from up the front. Well, it's not me saying it, guys. It's not me saying it. It's what Paul says here to Timothy in the Bible. It's God's word saying it to you. For the love of money is the root of all, all evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I don't know how it's going to work out for you, but we need to have honest appraisal, don't we? Honest appraisal, guys. Because Pothole 2 says that it's a danger of making us arrogant. Have a look at verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world, I'm sorry, that's all of you here this morning, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. That is that we think that suddenly we're more important and what we're doing is more important than what God is. We don't need to listen to anyone else, we just need to listen to ourselves. And you see the danger again? It's putting us, number one, and not God and not Jesus. Because the danger is that suddenly we think we've got it all sorted. But ultimately only God does. And suddenly what we do is we start thinking that we're God and he's not. So verse 15 comes at us and tells us, get the right perspective, have a look at what it says. It says, verse 15, which God will bring about in his own time. God the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings, the lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in inapproachable light, unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honour and might forever. You work out, guys, that you're not the boss? You worked that out yet? I'm not the boss. God's the boss. That's right, Johnny. Jesus is the boss. We need to remember where we sit. God cares for you. He loves you. He desires what is best for you. And your job is to honour him above everything and anything else. To honour him and him alone. Which brings us to pothole three, which continues on in verse, uh, verse 17 there. It says, Nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You could do no worse, guys, if you don't listen to anything else I say today, nothing else I say, go home and just contemplate that verse. It's a wonderful verse, isn't it? Don't put your hope in something other than me, says God, because it won't work. And I don't think we need any more illustrations than what we've just seen in the last couple of months to work out that wealth and riches don't provide hope, do they? With the world just going into financial recession after greed is what's driven it. The love of money has driven our recession. We don't need any more, do we? It doesn't provide the hope that we need. I was talking to a financial planner the other day and he said anyone who's had money in stocks or their retirement funds in stocks, they have lost 50% of their value in this last 12 months. 50% gone. I was talking to a guy the other day who just lost $280,000 where he was saving up to be able to get out of his work and actually do ministry. That's what he wanted to do. $280,000, bang, gone like that because his brokers got scared and took off and took his money. 
You probably know many more stories than I do. It's tough. We cannot place our hope in wealth and riches. It just doesn't give us that. Because it doesn't, doesn't provide it and you can't take it with you. It's a wonderful verse, verse 7, isn't it? Look what it says. For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it. It's another gem of a verse, isn't it? Such great verses here for us to think about. Uh, have you heard the story of the guy on the Gold Coast who was a multi-millionaire and uh, when he was getting sick he told his wife that he wanted to be buried with all his money. Everything that he had he wanted to be buried with him. And so not long after he actually did die and so his wife thought about what, what he asked to do. So when uh, the coffin came by she put in an IOU for everything that he owned. Can't help him, can it? Or you might have heard of the guy in America who was born, who was decided he wanted to be buried in his Merck because he loved his Merck so much. Now, it was an extremely big grave, uh, but he's not driving it anywhere, is he? can absolutely need nothing for us. Riches and wealth don't help us in heaven. Riches and wealth don't help us in hell either. They're not worth it. For us who are followers of Jesus, we need to keep reminding ourselves that the only thing that goes with us into eternity is relationships. It's relationships with Jesus and our relationships with others who love him. They are the only things that will last. They are the only things that are really worth spending all our time and money on. Our big plasma TV won't go there. Our brand new car won't go there. But our relationships will. That's where we are to spend our money. God warns us here, doesn't he, in this passage this morning. He says to every one of us here, be careful that we don't fall for these three potholes. Be careful about chasing after riches and money because temptation is to leave Jesus and to leave all the good things that he's provided for us. The temptation is to become arrogant and our temptation is to put our hope in something that will just disappoint and be of absolutely no use to us in eternity. So Paul says these are the warnings, guys. These are the warnings about riches and money. Don't chase it. But then he gives us some great things as well, some very practical hints about what to do with it when we do have it. You see, Paul's not against people being rich if they've got money because he says they command those who are rich. God's not against us if we have money, but he says if you've got it, be really careful of those potholes. And he says this is what you should do with it. And he says firstly that we should see it, that it's not so important to us, but we need to aim for godliness and contentment first. Look at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Riches, financial wealth, don't cut it. Godliness with contentment does. Seeking Jesus is the road to contentment and a life forever. And godliness is living like Jesus, like that song, uh, living for Jesus each day, living for him. That's what godliness is about. And contentment is knowing that we're living in his will, that we're living in his plan, that we're living for him. It's trusting that Jesus is the king, that God is Lord of all, and all this, God is working out what is best for us and best for us for eternity. That will be best for us here 
and best for us forever. So how can we live godly lives with contentment? Well, look at verse 11, he says. But you, man of God... I'll just stop there for a minute. Do you know that you, man of God, isn't used very often in the Bible? This is a great title, isn't it? Imagine Paul saying to Timothy, he says, You, man of God. How do you like that as a title? On your headstone, when you die, man of God. Or if you're a woman, woman of God. You know, a great thing to have, isn't it? Rather than writing on your, you're writing your name on your clothes or something or on your underpants, man of God, written across it. So when you go to the gym and you lose your underpants, bloke picks them up and goes, man of God, I know who that is. How great a title that is. That is a far better title than anyone who says, best business house in Lismore. Better than greatest farmhand on the north coast. Greater than the person that's built up the most amount of money in Australia. Greater than being on the 20 most richest people under 25. Man of God. Woman of God. I reckon that's what we should aim for, shouldn't we? To have that title as ours. And how do we do that? How are we going to have that title? Well, Paul says, flee from all this. So he's saying, flee from pursuing riches and wealth and all the destruction and all the evil that comes with that. He says, flee that and pursue. These are strong words, aren't they? He says, flee. So run away with it. Don't go down that path. Don't get sucked into it. Make strategic decisions not to get caught in this way of life. Make strategic decisions so you don't get caught in that way. So you don't head for those potholes. And he says, pursue. Pursue is a strong word. It's not just uh, you know, take your time and walk behind and just follow along. It's pursue. It's run after. Take after. Take hold of it. Grab it with everything that you've got. And what is he saying? Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Fight the good fight. How's that for encouraging? How's that for building up? How's that for really motivating you? Seek righteousness, pursue it. Rightness, that's being just. Seek godliness, that's living for Jesus. Be faith, seek faith, seek to love, pursue love. And endurance. And I reckon that's the one that all of us fall on down on, don't we? Endurance. Well, yep, great that you did your Bible reading this morning, the first time for the last three weeks. We don't stick at it, do we? Endurance is something that Australians think, well, I'll kick back have a beer, take it easy and I'll get to it a little bit later. Endurance means we've got to stick at it. We've got to keep going. One, you know, turn up each week. Turn up every day when you need to be there. Get down and pray each morning. Read your Bible each day. Endure. Run hard at it. Pursue it. Go hard or go home is almost what Paul's saying here, isn't it? Go hard for Jesus, guys, or give up. Well, not quite, is he? He's encouraging us to do that, isn't he? Go hard for him. Flee this and pursue Jesus. Go for it hard, guys. You know, I reckon if we put in only 20% of the time we put into our work, our business, or our thinking about our money, or planning about how our retirement's going to work, or working out where we can have our financial gain here, or how we can organise stuff, or what thing we're about to buy, or how we're going to improve our house, or how we're going to get our next car, if we could put at least 20% of our time that we put into that, into pursuing Jesus, 
That would be phenomenal. We would see this place turned upside down. You would see your life completely up, just transformed. That'd be stunning. How about we try for it? Try to put 20% of our time that we put into everything else into pursuing Jesus. Guys, we would see a phenomenal change. A phenomenal change. Just 20% of it. Flee pursuing wealth. And run to and pursue Jesus. And if you have money, use it to do good and give it away. Look at verse 18. Command those who are rich, verse 17, command those who are rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. You notice too that this isn't a, this isn't a, well, if you want to think about this, how about you get a focus group together? How about you sit down, have a little bit of a discussion? Let's have a little bit of a think about what it means to do with our money. It says, no, this is a command. Paul's saying this is a command is what you need to do with this. And it's expected to be obeyed. If you have money, you only have it because God's allowed you to have it. Therefore, you need to use it with the things that he wants you to use it for. Notice that he didn't say, use your money to help. Uh, you live in the lifestyle you've become accustomed to. Or use your money to buy an expensive car. Or use your money, he said, use your money to do good deeds. To look after people, to care for people, to give it away, to help others. And be generous with it, he says. He says, don't just give what you got left over. He said, be as generous. Give as much as you possibly can away. That's exactly right, John. and we're going to remember that, don't we? And so we need to give it to the things that he desires us to give it to. You've just seen on our board that we're in vital need of money for not only ministry here, but many ministry in SRE in the school. Some of us here are going to be getting a big windfall coming from the government in the next week. I don't know about you, but I didn't have that budgeted. It's not in my budget for the year. It's an added extra that we weren't even thinking about. So what should we do with it? We don't have to go and prop up the economy by buying stuff. We need to give it away to those who are doing ministry, to where we can do good deeds. Give it to SRE, give it to the church, give it to Tear Fund. Give a whole lot to Tear Fund. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had thousands of dollars coming from this church, spending over, giving it to good deeds for people who are giving it to the Third world country who can't afford to have a roof over their heads who are lucky to have a meal a day. How stunning would that be? Now, I don't know your financial situation. I don't know how much money you need to survive on. I don't know what the government money coming to you is going to do for you. But I know for us that it was way outside of our budget and we need to do something that God wants us to do with it. So let me encourage you to do that. Use it the way God wants you to use it. Paul's great, isn't he? It's a great, it's a great book, 1 Timothy. It's very practical. He says, be careful. Don't chase riches. It's only going to lead to destruction. It's going to make you arrogant. It's not going to hold you for eternity. It's not going to be hopeful for you. He says, but seek godliness with contentment. Flee from that and pursue Jesus. And use whatever God has given you for good deeds and for being generous with. Because all of that 
is about honouring God. And that's what Paul desires for all of us to do most. Look at the end of verse 16 there. To him be honour and might forever. You see, everything that we are to do is to bring honour and glory to God. That is the only thing that's worth doing. And, you know, people say, you know, as a Christian, well, how do we make decisions about stuff? How do we make you know, things coming our way? Well, there's a really easy answer to that. Whatever decision comes your way, does it honour God? Does it make him look good? Does it shine how great he is? Does it present a good picture of God? If it doesn't, don't do it. Now, I don't know how that's going to work out for you with the decisions that come your way. Because every one of us sit here and we've got a whole lot of decisions that are going on in our lives. Whole lots of different circumstances happening around us. We're in all different places. Some of us are growing up in our teens. Some of us are a little bit older and we're starting businesses. Some of us are doing apprenticeships. Some of us have gone through our working years. We're starting to retire. Some of us are grandparents. Some of us, we're all in different phases, aren't we? Different things are coming in from us from different directions. All of us have different decisions that we need to make. But the one thing is sure, the Bible says to you this morning, whatever decision you make, make sure that it honours God. Because that's the only best thing, that's the best thing to do. That's the only good thing to do. That's the only thing that's going to last for eternity. It's when we do things that honour him. I don't know about you, but that means that there are some decisions that I need to make that are going to be tough. There are some decisions that I'm going to make that are going to make it difficult for me. There's going to be decisions I'm going to need to make about how I use my money. There's going to be some decisions that I need to make about how much time I spend working. And you might say, well, he's always working for God. Look, I can get so caught up in my stuff too that I'm not spending time with God too and not doing what he wants me to do. We need to make decisions, don't we, that honour him and him alone. You see, God's greatest desire, as we go through 1 Timothy, is that people are solid on Jesus, that we don't get dragged away by people trying to lead us in all sorts of directions, that we're solid on him, that we stick to him and nothing else that we honour God by following him with our lives. His great desire for us is that we grow in our love for him and our love for each other. And the decisions that we make are to encourage that and not take away from that. His great desire for you and I is that when we meet him face to face, he says, welcome, man of God. Welcome, woman of God. That's going to be fantastic, isn't it? God meets you and sticks out his hand and says, Welcome, man of God. Welcome, woman of God. Drags you in and gives you a big hug. He says, It's great to have you here. How good will that be? So as we finish 1 Timothy, let me encourage you, as you've been here this morning, maybe you're visitors, I don't know where you come from or your background, but let me encourage you this morning that we get serious about putting Jesus at the centre of our lives. Let's get serious about making him number one and let's get serious about not letting anything 
get in the way of him staying there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's uh, it's stunning to think that uh, you are so concerned about us that you're even worried about how we use our money and how we spend our time in regards to whether we're seeking just to become rich or whether we're seeking you. Lord, you're concerned with the minute details of our lives and how we live. And Lord, your desire is that we be people who honour you, that we live lives that reflect well on you, that we make decisions that put you number one. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that guides and directs us and helps us with that. We thank you for your spirit that applies your word to our hearts. We pray this morning, Lord, that your spirit will use your word to change us and transform us into people who are known as people who honour you, people who are known as men and women of you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.